I think there's some, some incredible breakthroughs that are in store for God's people here in the, in the, in the bluegrass state. Um, Meg and Meg and Heather, I think last week or so, went up to Cane Ridge. Anybody been to Cane Ridge up near Paris in Bourbon County? Anybody know what Cane Ridge is? You've heard of that? It was the birthplace of um, a great revival for social media. This is when you just, you know, you, and if you go up now to, the, to Cane Ridge to that sort of memorial shrine, I think is what, what actually what they call it, there's a um, sort of a, a, a log structure of the meeting house. It's actually enshrined inside of another stone thing. Um, and the meeting house is not, is not that big or impressive because it's 1801 in Kentucky, you know, what can you get besides log cabin stuff, but in 1801, just the Spirit of God fell, and um, Chuck may know the exact figure, but I know it was into the tens of thousands of people um, that came to this, Twenty to 30,000 people that came and were touched by this revival. And that's saying something, because I don't, I just, I can't imagine that the population of the state of Kentucky was much more than that. And uh, many people say that it, that event was one of the catalysts for the Second Great Awakening. The Second Great Awakening was a series of revivals that swept through the nation um, in, 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 the, um, in the 19th century and just shifted culture and changed culture. And all that happened just 30 minutes from here, right? So there's something about, I believe there's something about our state that, that has these beds already carved out for revival. And... Every great work of God, every great revival comes from prayer. Does not come from a good conference that's planned. Does not come from a, you know, a big speaker who has, um, you know, lots of social media followers. It comes from the hard work of just people, God's people, being desperate enough, desperate enough to cry out for prayer. So revivals often come during seasons of social uncertainty or an economic uncertainty. We're that way as human beings. We, when things get comfortable, I've got everything taken care of, I've got enough food in my village or anything else. Um, nobody's coming against me. And we tend to settle into that. But it's, it's during those times of uncertainty that tend to cause God's people to go to the, go to the, to the, prayer, to the place of prayer again and begin to cry out. Um, we are, we are, I believe we are in a place of cultural uncertainty. We are more divided than anything I've seen in my young lifetime. And I would imagine that some of you of an older generation may say the same thing. It's profound, the division that's in our nation. It's profound, the things that have been, um, that are culturally acceptable today. Astonishing the direction that we've, we've come. Uh, and the answer is not in any one political party taking leadership in Washington. The answer is in the hearts of men and women to be changed and to be pointed back to their creator. No amount of laws, whether it's abortion laws or gun laws or equal rights laws or anything else, no amount of laws can change a human heart. You cannot enact enough laws to make a heart 
love selflessly. But God can do that. He does it all the time. He's doing it all the time. Did, did it in my own life, my own heart. So I, I want to, at the end of the day, I just want to say, God, we, I contended for revival in my lifetime. And I was of a people who contended for revival in my lifetime. And we were willing to do the hard work of praying and fasting for a season. So I'm asking you to join me in that season, 28 days, starting next Sunday. We're going to walk through this together. We're going to do some teachings um, on how to fast, the practical aspects of that. How do we do that? We're going to look at three different areas of breakthrough that prayer and fasting can do in your own life. We've got a devotional book that we're going to be handing out to you to walk through this together. Um, We're going to engage social media in this as well. And um, we're going to believe that at the end of those 28 days, the reports of what God has done will astonish us. That's what I'm believing for. Amen. Um, I'm kind of getting used to God like disrupting things. And I don't know, I had a message on, on something that as I'm sitting there during worship, again, it feels like the Lord's saying, no, I don't, I don't want you to talk about that. I want you to talk about my love today. Maybe it was a song. Maybe it was just the, the impact of that song and the, and the Lord saying, talk about my love. So can I shift gears with this? Guys in the back, ignore um, the Luke and the Mark verses there. You're going to go to Deuteronomy um, 32 through 40. That'll be one place we'll go to. Um, We'll also go to Genesis, um, hold on, bear with me here, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and well, we'll get through the other parts when we get to it. Um, I'm thinking about the love of God. I'm thinking about how much I need that, how, how, how easily that awareness is diluted in my own life, how easily my life can settle and shift away from dwelling in God's love and to get in these other places where other things are distracting me, where I begin to walk not out of an awareness of his love, but out of a sense of duty, a sense of, you know, obligation, a sense of maintain the status. And, um, it's, it's easy for me to stop feeling. I remember one of the first times I felt God's love in a phenomenological. That means pertaining to a phenomenon, pertaining to like something physical related to the senses. I remember when I began to experience God in a phenomenological way. In other words, in a sensory kind of way. You know, whether it's like tingling on your skin, whether it's like the rush that kind of comes over you, kind of that wash of love that rushes over you. Do you know what I'm talking about? In other words, it's not something, it's not something intellectual. It's something that you just feel like, oh my word, I just felt this rush of God's pleasure over me. Do you know what I mean by that? Okay, so I remember one of the first times I encountered this, I was in, in high school, um, or in, in college rather, um, I was in a dorm room, and it has been a very difficult, I was at Asbury University, um, really a difficult season in my life, a lot of depression, a lot of uncertainty, um, and um, I just really began to wrestle with my place in the world, my calling, my, how God sees me, you know, and there was a season in my junior year 
uh, the whole spring semester over a period of weeks where I would just stay in my dorm room. I was so depressed, just stay in my dorm room, you know, um, and just I'd go to classes, get C's, B's, that kind of a thing, go eat. But apart from that, just stay in my dorm room. Um, and I re remember with this kind of one season where I was so desperate to be broken, so, so ready for this to be broken off of me. I just began to cry out. To, I would just, just cry out to the Lord, just laying on my floor, arms outstretched. Couldn't, I wasn't feeling anything. I wasn't even crying. It was that empty. And I just was laying there and just like, God, I hate this. There's got to be more than this. And in that moment, I remember God saying something that pierced my heart. He says, Brad, even if you never change, if you never change from how you are right now, I'm still going to love you so much. Even if you never get up off of that floor again, I can't love you any more than I already do. And in that moment, something really shifted for me. Something changed. It's like the foundation of my life was like uprooted and a new foundation was laid in there. You know, and, and I think so much of my life, maybe you're this way, so much of my life was just trying to, to do things, you know, so that God would love me. You know, God, God, you, you should love me because I'm really trying hard here. You know, like I'm, um, I'm, 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 I'm trying to, to read the word, you know, I'm trying to go to church as much as I can. And I'm, heck, I'm even trying to, I'm trying to be a, a vocational pastor, or vocational ministry. God, you really should love me more. And that was such a backward foundation. And the Lord came in and just removed that and said, Brad, even if you can do nothing for me, I'm still going to love you as much as I do right now in this moment. And that was a big shift for me. And all of a sudden, it, it, over the next several weeks, that, that light began to shine in those dark places of my life. And I began to, to sort of see now that the life that I wanted was not so that God would love me. It was because God loved me. It was an overflow. It was a response. It's not something I had to do. It was something I just had to receive. Very healing for me. And ever since then, I have never, I have never doubted the Father's love for me. I doubted a lot of things. I doubted a lot of things about myself, but I have never doubted the Father's love for me. And I think that revelation really has served me well. It's gotten me through some other difficult times. It's gotten me through some dark, dark seasons and dark nights of the soul as well. Um, I believe that's, the, that's one of the first questions to, that, that God wants to establish is this idea of love. And we don't, in our culture, love is, is <laughs> you ever wish you could get a new word because love is so abused? You know, like I love tacos. I love Thai food. Oh my word, I love that meme. I love that show. God loves you. God loves me. And do we even begin to know what that really means? So let me, let me read this to you. This is not, I, by the way, guys in the back, I didn't. This is Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, is that right? No, yes, 3, verse 14. Let me read this to you guys. Think, just listen to, listen to this. Um, because this is, this is the prayer of one of our fathers of the faith. If Paul were here, he would be our father. He would be the father, one of the fa apostolic fathers of this church. This is what he says. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, capital F, from whom 
every family, y'all see every family, that's you and I, every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, imagine Paul praying this, Father, Father, I pray that for the, the ones who are, are called by your name, out of, out of your glorious riches, it says this, he may strengthen you with power. Anybody want to be strengthened with power? I do, right? I need to be strengthened with power. I need, pa- you kidding me? I need power to get up and make coffee in the morning, yet alone all the things that God's called me to do in life. I need power to read the word. You know, I need power to love my kids and to love my wife. Some days I need lots of power to love my kids. You notice I didn't say love my wife? Doesn't take much. I pray, I pray that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. In other words, in that part of you that's there that no one can see. That hidden part of you that like talks to you. You ever have conversations with yourself in the middle of the night? I do that, you know. That's the inner being. That's the inside person. That's the real you that no one knows about. You can have good conversations with the real you. That you may, may um, in your inner being, so that, why do we need power? Here's why. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's why we need, we, need, we need power for that. That Christ may abide, may dwell, may set up a home, may pitch a tent, may like make himself at home, get a pillow, get a blanket, hang pictures on the wall of my heart. That's what Christ wants to do. He wants to inhabit this all the time. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in what? In love. Come on, that's the soil, y'all. That's the soil of the Christian life. It's not doctrine. Doctrine's good, but that's not the soil. It's not community. Community is good, but that's not the soil. Spiritual disciplines, those are good, but that's not the soil. What's the soil? Love, love, being loved by God and loving him in return. That's the soil. That's what we're rooted in. May have power. There's the power again. In other words, when we're rooted in love, there's power. When we're rooted in that, there's power. Together with all the Lord's holy people, that's you, your holy people. So together we get to do this. What do we have power to do? It doesn't say to do miracles. It doesn't say to do signs and wonders. We have power to, to comprehend something, to encounter something, to grasp onto something. That's it. Paul says, I want to pray one thing for you, and it's that you begin to get just a glimpse of God's love for you. Because he knows if we have that, we have everything. May have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What in the world? We get to be filled to the fullness of that. And to know power of God. So that's Paul's prayer for us. I'm thinking this is the foundation I want in my life, God. I want to encounter your love more and more. 
I'm believing that Jesus, in, in, in this season, in the, in the revival season to come, he's going to be laying this foundation of love. Love not as the world thinks it is. That's not the right kind of love. But God says, no, let me, let me show you divine love. Let me show you Genesis 2 kind. You know what Genesis 2 kind of love is? Flip over there. Let me read it to you right here. This is Genesis, kind of, Genesis 2 kind of love. And this is, this is beautiful. One second. Let me, let me find the place I'm looking for. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, birds in the sky, livestock, all the wild animals. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Go back to verse 26. What are you, what's, what's strange about that? Let us make mankind in our image. English teachers, that's plural, isn't it? I've been out of school a while, but I'm pretty sure that's a plural form, meaning more than one. And in verse 27, he says, so God created mankind in his own image. Isn't that singular? Isn't that one? So which is it? Is it, is it plural or is it singular? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is the very beginning of something that we understand, we, that the word begins to reveal about who God is. That God is in himself a family. That God is one being, but he is three persons who have always existed, who are equal, and who love one another more and more. Okay, so hold that in mind. Flip over to John 15. And we're going we're gonna to land here. So now Jesus, one of those, one of those ones, one of, one, part of that holy family, the second person of, 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 of the Godhead, is now on earth. He's now with his disciples in this place that we call the upper room. We don't really know if it's an upper room. Kind of, um, well, actually, we know that was the upper room. We, know, we don't think Pentecost was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so he's with, he's with them up in this place, and he's, he's talking to them. He's teaching them. He's ministering to them because like, he knows that just in a few hours he's going to be gone. You know, it's like, it's like if you're, you know, if, if you know you only have a few minutes left with your spouse and you got to run off somewhere, maybe you have, maybe those of you that are in the military, you're about to be deployed and you only have a few hours left, you're going to say the most pressing stuff on your heart, aren't you? You're going to say the stuff that, re you're not going to talk about stupid stuff like, hey, don't forget to take out the trash or, you know, hey, make sure you record my favorite show, um, whatever. No, you're going to talk about the stuff that is the, the most important thing to your heart right then and there. These are the last words of Jesus before he goes. And he's there with them in this, and he's sort of unloading all of these things. And he says this in actually John 17, verse 20. If, you guys, if, if you'll pull this up, John 17, 20. And what's, what's, what's unusual, that these words that he's about to pray are not directed to them. They're directed to someone else. 
We have the benefit that somebody sort of overheard this and wrote looking to the Father. And we know from his time in men before this, he spent a lot of time with the Father. He would often sneak out in the middle of the morning before the sun would come up and he would go out and he would take his flask of water and just put on his sandals. He would go for a hike and watch the sunrise and just spend hours with the Father. Because he loved the Father. He missed the Father's presence like he had before he was born into the womb of the Virgin Mary. He couldn't go a day without being in the Father's presence. He loved to hear the Father's voice. We saw a glimpse of that at Jesus' baptism when the voice of the Father said, this is my what son? My beloved son. I'm well pleased in him. And all through his ministry, Jesus is just running back to the Father again. Every chance he has, he's go, even, even in the, after these words, he's going to go back and he's going to find the Father again. He's praying to the Father here, but he's about to go to a garden, Gethsemane, this olive grove, and he's about to cry out to the Father again in a moment of desperation. And he knows that in just in a few days, he's going to be going back to the Father in a bodily form, but now he's praying to the Father. Look at what he says. He says in, in 17 verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Guess what? That's you and me. We are the future tense that he's talking about. Jesus is praying for us right here in these words. That all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. All right, my brain just is exploding. All right, this is like, this is getting into philosophy class. I almost failed philosophy class. Way too cerebral and abstract for me, right? I didn't like it. Like, I need concrete. I loved history because history was concrete. Philosophy blew my mind. This is getting into this. Like, what does that mean? What does it mean, God, Father, that you are in Jesus and Jesus, you are in the Father and that I'm praying, Jesus is praying that, that all of us could be a part of that thing too. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you and me so that they may be brought into complete unity. One of the churches that we ministered at before we came here, um, it was beautiful, they amazing worship, and there was a group of people in, um, in the back of the, the worship center who loved to dance, and they didn't just dance individually, which is beautiful. They would dance sort of these circle dances, you know, like they would kind of be in a circle and they would move and do those kind of things. They would come in and touch. You know what I'm talking about? Ever seen those? I think um, you see them often in messianic congregations. And I remember on a, one particular Sunday, I'll wrap up with this. On one particular Sunday, I was watching, um, and it, so there's four or five in this circle dancing. I don't remember what song we were singing. Um, but then I noticed that this little girl was watching them from a few feet away, watching them dance, watching them move. Music was going. This little girl's intrigued by this. And I, I watched as she sort of hesitantly began to take steps in their direction towards the direction of this, of this dance, of this movement. And she's watching, you know. And she takes a few more steps closer in. And the, the most amazing thing happened 
is that in perfect sort of rhythm, I noticed that the people of the circle suddenly, as they begin to turn, all took a step back. And it made the circle wider. And it made the spaces wider. And one of them reached out a hand and beckoned for the little girl to come in and join the circle. Come on, we'll show you. We'll show you how to dance. We'll show you how to do this step. And the older man took her by the hand and pulled her in without missing a beat. The whole thing is just still flowing and moving. And he pulls her in, you know. And she grabs his hand and then she grabs the hand of the lady next to her. And just she just begins to tentatively take these steps and watching. What are the others doing? What steps, what steps do I need to do now? Oh, they're moving forward. Let me move forward now. Oh, they're putting up their hands. Oh, now they're Oh, they're clapping now. She claps just like that. And just her face becomes alive with this. Like I've been, I'm I'm doing it now. I'm a part of this. I'm convinced as I read this, as I read Genesis 2, as I read John John 17, I read Ephesians 4. I'm I'm believing that this is exactly who God is. This movement of love between the Father, the Son, this dance of love between the Father of the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Father is loving the Son. The Son loves the Father. The Spirit loves the Father. They're just constantly overflowing with love for one another. It's been that way from the beginning of time. Before that, it's going to be that way to the end. There's already, a, there's already a, a, a relationship of love happening in heaven. But it's like these three just step back and say, let's make room for more. Who can we bring into this? And they reach out their hand and they pull you and I in and say, come, learn the rhythms of love and grace. Learn what it means to be in sync. Learn what it means to take the steps that the Father is taking to move as the Spirit is moving. Don't worry about it. You'll learn it. Just be a part of this. I can tell you, any time that I feel like my life is out of rhythm, it's out of sync. It's because I, for some reason, I feel like I've stepped outside of that. Not in, not in a losing my salvation. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about losing my salvation kind of a thing. I just mean that sometimes by an act of the will, I forget really what's going on. That there's this, this movement of love that God pulls me into. And the more that I begin to settle into that, friends, I'll tell you what, I come alive. That's love. That's what the, I believe that's the love that the world is hungry for, the real thing, right? Not love that flashes in the pan and then disappears at the next thing, but love that dies for one another. Love that empties itself out and saying, your well-being is more important than my own. And the more that we do that, oddly enough, the more that our well-beings are taken care of. That's the amazing thing about it. The more I die to myself and live for you, the more that I find myself coming alive. The lower I get, the more you're lifted up, and the more you're lifted up, the more I'm lifted up. And that's how I believe this is the unity that John 17 is speaking about. Not uni- not, we're not unified in how we all think or act. Praise God, I'm glad you're all not like me. You would drive me crazy. Praise God, that's not what unity means. It doesn't mean sort of, you know, unanimity. 
It doesn't mean we're all robots who look the same. It just means that we have this same unified heart moving in rhythm with one another, moving in rhythm with the Spirit, moving in rhythm with the Father and the Son. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God is, is calling his church back, restoring foundations of love. Amen? All right, Brian, come on up. I'll read one more thing here that we read from Ephesians 4. It's so good. This is my prayer. It's my prayer for all of us. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. How wide is the love of Christ for you? How long is it? How long and high and deep is it? What's its expiration date? What's its measure of tolerance before you finally have burned it out? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Church, let me challenge you. Discover the love of the Father. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've never felt God's love, I know I'm being touchy-feely. I'm not usually touchy-feely. But I'm convinced that God's love must be more than this. Has to be more than this intellectual assertion of a doctrinal point. If that's all it is for you, you're missing out. It's like the difference between reading about the Grand Canyon and flying through it in a helicopter. Discover the love of the Father. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Hmm. Can we do this? I don't, I, don't, I don't ask this very often. Can we close our eyes, bow heads, that kind of a thing? That's old school, isn't it? <laughs> I remember growing up, that was every Sunday. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. Makes me laugh to say it, but I'm asking you to do that now because I want to pray for you. Anyone here just feel like, yeah, I need a, I need a fresh encounter with God's love today? Anyone want to say that with your hand? I need a fresh encounter with God's love today. All right, I see those. Guess what? As soon as you raised your hand, God was already on the run towards you. And that's not, a, that's not an admission of sin. That's not an admission of guilt. It's not an admission of anything apart from just our frailty. Sometimes we just need fresh, fresh love, a fresh encounter. So Father, I pray for those that Acknowledge that, that need, Lord, we need an Ephesians, 4, Ephesians 3 kind of encounter today. Father, I, I, I stand with Paul. I agree with Paul, Lord. I ask. Here, I'm going to kneel before, Lord, Lord I'm going to kneel before the Father, just like Paul did. God, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you'll strengthen us with power through your Holy Spirit and your inner being.
so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And church, I pray that those that raise their hands, Lord, will have a fresh power. God, give them a power to discover love. Give them a supernatural grace to encounter love. Lord, cause them to feel your love. Lord, we know it, but cause us to feel it like a warm breeze that washes over us, Lord, in the spring. Like that moment when you're slept in and it's Saturday and those beams of light are coming in the window and warming your face and the world is good. Like that wave of, just that wave of warmth passes over, Lord, when you kind of settle into the bathtub after a long day, God, head to toe, aware of your goodness, so aware of your love, so aware of your presence. (laughs) Give us a revelation of your son, Lord. Fill us, Lord, to the measure of all the fullness that you have for us.